in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You and I have lived too long with this miracle to properly be appreciative. Freedom is a fragile thing, and it's never more than one generation away from extinction. It is not ours by way of inheritance. It must be fought for and defended constantly by each generation, for it comes only once to a people. And those in world history who have known freedom and then lost it have never known it again. Wow. Ronald Reagan, amazing. When did he say that? He said that all the way back in 1967 at his first term gubernatorial inauguration. And uh, it was a theme of his political life, his presidency, freedom. It's not guaranteed. And do you feel it evaporating? Do you feel it going away? Do you? I mean, I do. The country is changing, changing. You can feel it. You can see it. A Dodger, a member of the baseball team, the Dodgers, just had to apologize. Just had to come out and apologize to everyone for his ignorant comments. He was so ignorant when he stuck up for his own religion. So a group that is uh, known for mocking Christianity, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, have been invited to LGBTQ night. This guy thought that was not a good idea. He piped off about it, as is his right as an American. Guess what? The boss found out. <laughs> you will apologize. And yes, he did. Now he's saying all the right things. Oh, I am sorry. I was insensitive. I'm going to learn more. I'm going to do more. It's kind of stuff you say when you're being held hostage. And in the many ways, he is being held hostage. A gun to his head. His livelihood probably on the line. You want to be traded tomorrow? How about we bench you? Shut up and do the right thing. Say the right thing. Say what we think is the right thing. That Moral depravity is A-OK at Dodger Stadium on Pride Night and everywhere else in America. No, it's not. Keep doing the right thing. We all have to do the right thing, and we all have to do whatever it is we can. No more sleeping. No more binge-watching stupid shows on TV. Screw sports. Who needs to watch the NFL? Who needs to watch MLB? Write a letter to your congressman. Write a letter to the New York Post. Go out and pick it. Boycott something. I don't know. Boycott anything. I mean, <laughs> we have got to make our voices heard. We can't be passive. We can't just listen. We can't just talk on Facebook, on Twitter. We have to do stuff in the real world. We have to take action. Now, I can't tell you what to do. You can't tell me what to do. But we can look inwardly and figure out what it is we have the capacity to do. And we all have the capacity to do something. There must be something you can do. And I made this point on the show, and I, I tell you what, it's not. Some people said, why are you slamming the troops? Uh, I'm not slamming the troops. It's, it's, it's a compliment, actually. And it's not just about troops. It's about human nature. There are people who are willing to sacrifice their life for anyone else or for their country. They will. They will. They'll do it. They will put their life on the line to save someone else. And also, of course, to save the United States. Absolutely. But they're not going to sacrifice their career. They're not going to sacrifice their free time. They're not going to sacrifice, they're not going to be inconvenienced. No, that's some, it's, it's always somebody else's job. Somebody else is going to do it. Somebody else will get around to it. Somebody else is going to say it. I, I've got, I've got kids. Uh, I got baseball practice. I've got to, uh, I had almost happy hour. I got to have a drink. 
I got, you know, I've got my priorities. All right. Or hey, I got really serious things. I got this person sick. I got, uh, so-and-so is unemployed. I, we need that. There are real challenges in life. Absolutely. Uh, but think of those troops who hit the beach, Normandy. Remember that D-Day? You've seen the pictures. I should think about what those guys had to do. And again, they would put their lives on their line for their country. And these same men, I saw it in the military all the time. They would risk their lives, but they wouldn't risk their career. They wouldn't say something that, say, the commanding general did not want to hear. Everybody finds out exactly what the commanding general wants, and then they give it to him. Okay, absolutely. Sir, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir, Rebob. Yes, sir. Um, and that's why we have the military we have right now. <laughs> uh, losing wars, um, endless conflicts, Iraq, Afghanistan. Uh, we're not doing too good. We're not too good when it comes to war. And here we are funding Ukraine like crazy. And look, I don't know. I don't know. I want there to be peace in Ukraine, but do you understand what I'm saying? We all, we all can do stuff. We all can. You don't have to be in the military. Wherever you are, whatever, you know, I got to tell you, the mo- the person I'm most inspired by these days is uh, Barbara. Barbara Samuels from uh, Huntington, a citizen, uh, a citizen. She's active on uh, with her friends. She started a group. She called the radio station. I said, my God, you're so smart. You're so interesting. I put her on the television show. I mean, we're putting her on the television show again. Someone's probably going to come to her and say, you need to run for the state assembly. I mean, you're brilliant. Things start small, and then they get very, very big. They can. And even if they don't get big, a million voices, it's very, very loud. A million quiet voices can be one amazing boom. Don't you think? All right. So with that, we all got to do our, our our job. Once again, Forgiato Blow. Have you downloaded the new Boycott Target album? I thought that was great. We played a big chunk of it yesterday. And did you watch my, hey, what's up with the, uh, what's up with the debt ceiling? All right. Now I, Mark Levin said last night, it's a, it's, we could do better. We can do better. And maybe we will. Uh, my head is spinning with this stuff. It's not my expertise. It's not what I understand. I just hope they get it worked out, worked out to our advantage. It doesn't seem like, oh gosh, you know, 85,000 IRS agents. That's crazy. I know we're putting some people, we're putting some work requirements in there. That's great. Um, they're bragging about money that was not spent on COVID being returned to the treasury. Is that a victory? I don't know. I don't know. Hey, Congressman Ken Buck on last night, Republican of Colorado. He was all fired up about it. He doesn't like the thing at all. Uh, so they're still working on it. And uh, what's going to happen? I think there's going to be a vote tonight. Uh, we'll see. As uh, I don't know. That's really all I got on the debt ceiling. Sorry. However, however, um, did you see my little bit on C.Q. Brown, the new uh, general, the new chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff? Now, Joe Biden loves the guy because he says political things about race in the middle of an election year, an election campaign. So he was introduced last week. This is General Charles Q. Brown. He will be the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And Joe Biden just loves his viral videos. Cut 26, please. As the General Brown gave an unflinching video testimonial sharing his own experience of racism and his deep love of our country, to which he's dedicated his entire adult life. It took real backbone and struck a chord, not only with our military members, but with Americans all across the country. 
it's really wild. He's um, the viral video about race is why he's being selected to run the military, to be the chief military advisor to the president of the United States because of what his thoughts on race. I'm going to tell you, um, if you add up all the money that uh, General Brown has been paid since he became a second lieutenant back in the 1980s, probably adds up to about $2 million, probably. Um, we weren't paying him to learn or talk about race. We, the American people, we were not paying him for that stuff. We were paying him to fly airplanes and to drop bombs and to fire missiles and to be really, really good at that and make sure that the other pilots are really, really good at that. Um, instead, it seems like he spent a lot of his time being resentful of the very country that gave him this amazing opportunity. Cut 27. This is the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff piping off in the most inappropriate, borderline mutinous way in the summer of Black Lives Matter. Cut 27. As the commander of Pacific Air Forces, a senior leader in our Air Force, and an African-American, many of you may be wondering what I'm thinking about, the current events surrounding the tragic death of George Floyd. And nobody wonders what the commanding general of Air Force Pacific Forces thinks about George Floyd. Nobody. Was he put up to it? Did he want to do it because he wanted to make a political splash? But having been in the military, I'm telling you, the troops were not thinking about General C.Q. Brown and what he had to say. Absolutely not. You know, I was a captain, and above me was a major, and above the major was a lieutenant colonel, and above the lieutenant colonel was a colonel, and above the lieutenant, that guy was a, was a one-star general, then a two-star general, then a three-star general, and a four-star general, ultimately. Actually, two four-star generals. I knew the name of the, the major and the lieutenant colonel above me. That was, well, and then the colonel. I vaguely knew about the one star. Vaguely. McCormick or something like that. That, nobody, they are so far removed, the generals from, it's an important job, but anyway. No one, no one knows or cares, general. But keep going by all means. Cut 28. Here's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about how full I am with emotion, not just for George Floyd, but the many African-Americans that have suffered the same fate as George Floyd. I'm thinking about protests in my country, tis in the sweet land of liberty, the equality expressed in our Declaration of Independence and the Constitution that I've sworn in my adult life to support and defend. I'm thinking about a history of racial issues in my own experiences that didn't always sing of liberty and equality. So he's... He seems insolent. I think that's the word. Resentful. You got to look at his demeanor when he's sitting there. He's angry. He's borderline close to tears. And when he said, my sweet country, what did they say? Sweet land of liberty. It sounded sarcastic. It really did. He's mocking us. Mocking America. Next. This is, this is serious, folks. This man will be the number one military officer in the country. Uh, in two weeks. Cut 29. I'm thinking about my sister and I being the only African-Americans in our entire elementary school and trying to fit in. I'm thinking about then going to a high school where roughly half the students were African-American and trying to fit in. Again, with the emotion. And what's the deal, all right? He's unhappy that there were only two black kids in the school, he and his sister. And then he's still unhappy when it's half black and half white. It just seems like he's unhappy, period. 
I don't know what his problem is, but it's his problem. However, he's making his problem the problem of the Air Force. Because with this kind of talk, he's encouraging everybody to walk around with a chip on their shoulder and say, oh, I was mistreated because of, uh, because of, uh, race. Yes, it must be race. Cut 30. I'm thinking about my Air Force career where I was often the only African American in my squadron or as a senior officer, the only African American in the room. I'm thinking about wearing the same flight suit with the same wings on my chest as my peers and they being questioned by another military member. Are you a pilot? Wow. What racist they are in the Air Force, huh? Are you a pilot? How could anybody make that mistake? Why? How? Why? I'm wearing a flight suit. <laughs> wow. Everybody should know I'm a pilot by my flight suit. Um, did you see my show last night? <laughs> I showed dozens of people in the Air Force who wear flight suits who are not pilots. When you're in the Air Force, when you're in the Marine Corps, we, you could be a flight surgeon, you could be a loadmaster, you could be a crew chief. There are all kinds of jobs that entail flying on airplanes where you don't actually fly the plane. And you, and you wear a flight suit. Isn't that amazing? There's one more that really, really bothers me. Because mentorship, mentorship does not happen as much as it should or is advertised. And it's not as healthy, it's not as helpful as they say, oh, by the way. It can be great, but I didn't have any mentors in the military. I had some instructors that were good, but I didn't have any mentors. And, um, and that, I kind of regretted that. I kind of thought, wow, I thought there was going to be more mentorship, but there, there, there was, there wasn't any. Um, but listen, he had mentors all over the place, but he, he resents them because of the color of their skin. Cut 31. I'm thinking about my mentors and how I rarely I had a mentor that looked like me. Well, at least you had one, pal. Uh, more on this punk when I get back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, so first we have baseball, right? Baseball is about um, the less sexually oriented thing around, right? I can't think of anything more incompatible with sexual activity than baseball. Uh, Now, some people say, well, wait a second, Greg. What about first base and second base and third base? All right, you dirty fools. Yes, I get that, too. If I want, if you got to go there, I can go there, too. But basically, when you're at a baseball game, uh, it's not on your mind. Uh, It's just, it's (laughs) baseball, all right? It has nothing to do with anything. It's not gay. It's not straight. It's just a boring, crummy game. Sorry, that's how I feel. I used to love it. I used to cry when the Yankees lost when I was a little kid. Total waste of time. Um, and I snapped out of it. Actually, my father gave me a good talking to when he saw that I was crying when the when the Yankees lost an extra innings to the Boston Red Sox one day in 1980. And I'm like, he told me, what are you? What's wrong with you? You know, these people, you're rooting for the clothes. It's just, it doesn't matter. They're from all over the place and they don't care about you. I'm like, yeah, that, that makes, that makes total and perfect and complete sense. Why get so wrapped up in these guys? You ever notice, oh, by the way, that ball players are totally oblivious to the fans, generally speaking? I mean, once in a blue moon, I mean, what did, I remember Reggie Jackson, he got three home runs in October of 1977. And what did he do that was really cool at the time? He came out and he tipped, took his hat off. Like, wow, how exciting can you be? I mean, uh, give me some worldwide wrestling. I, I just, I didn't think that that was that interesting. It's not that much in the way of showmanship, although it was an amazing game. So, all right. So they have the Pride Night coming up in Dodger Stadium, Los Angeles. And, uh, first, the Los Angeles Dodgers did the right thing by saying, hey, uh, to the sisters of perpetual indulgence, 
you're not a Christian group. You may be a gay group, but it seems like you're taking, well, you're, you're making fun and you're being offensive toward Christians. You can't come. Oh, holy my goodness, Gray, how can you say such a thing? Oh, that's so hate. That's hate speech. You can't do that. L.A. Dodgers. I'm so sorry. We're so sorry. Oh, my gosh. As a as an organization, we apologize. And you must come for LGBTQ night, Pride night at Dodger Stadium. Be as indulgent and sacrilegious as you like. Be as offensive and perverse as you like. Well, one baseball player says, you know, I don't think this is a very good idea. You know, I mean, uh, with what's all going down in the world right now, Target and Bud Light and everything, I... I just don't think that's uh I don't think that's the right way to be. And it's kind of bothering me because uh well, it's against my religion. And that stood for about hmm, 6 hours. And listen to this. Clayton Cren- Clayton Kershaw is his name. Clayton Kershaw says he disagrees with the Los Angeles Dodgers' decision to welcome an LGBTQIA plus group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence at the team's annual Pride Night. Kershaw told the L.A. Times on Monday that the team's decision to honor the group after it rescinded its original invitation prompted him to approach the Dodgers about expediting the announcement that the team was bringing back Christian Faith and Family Day later this season. I think we were always going to do Christian Faith Day this year, but I think the timing of our announcement was sped up, Kershaw said. Picking a date and doing those things, uh, those different things, was part of it as well. Yes, it was in response to highlighting of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Well, good for him. Kershaw announced via Twitter last Friday that Christian Faith and Family Day will be held July 30th when the Dodgers face the Cincinnati Reds. The last time the Dodgers held it was in 2019. However... Guess what? They're messing with Kershaw. He's uh, he's a little bit too righteous for their taste, and he must be put in his place. More on that and the woke general in a moment. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Man, this stuff is getting complicated. All this back and forth about the gay night at uh, the baseball stadium. Yikes. All right, first it's on, then it's off, then it's apology. Then they're apologizing for the apology. Then somebody says something else. And now there's, it's just, uh, but this is what happens when you, I mean, square peg, round hole, sorry, but uh, they have nothing to do with each other. So why are you forcing it on people? And, uh, well, why, 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 why? Some people think that... Uh, the ultimate agenda here is getting close to the kids, to the children, and God help them if that's their agenda. Wow. And I think it is, by the way. Uh, Mike in Manhattan, yes? Hey, I enjoy listening to your show. Um, Donald Trump, please stop with this tedious business of attacking everyone. What do you mean? Uh, What's so tedious about it? I don't- What's tedious? You gotta fight. Is- you gotta fight, man. You gotta fight. Everyone's attacking him. They call him a racist. They call him a rapist. They arrest him. They do all these things and he can't fight back. Everyone's attacking him. You gotta fight back. That's why we like him. I know, but there's a way to fight and there's a way not to fight. Listen, Mike, I think you- the guy knows how to fight. All right. He fought his way into the White House. Okay. <laughs> uh, he knows what he's doing. I, I know everybody thinks they've got this advice for him that's going to change everything. He is who he is, and he's got a lot figured out. 
don't fall. I think you're falling for the mainstream media and some of the, uh, the rhinos out there say, if only he would, uh, stop knocking DeSantis. Well, the DeSantis people are bad mouthing him all the time. Oh, by the way, saying horrible things about him. A lot of it's coming in. Ron is working up the courage to finally say something directly. For the time being, he's letting other people do it. Uh, Mike, I appreciate it. I disagree though. I don't find it tedious. Quite frankly, in a primary, it's necessary. It's part of, uh, it's part of politics, right? And what does Chuck Todd, even Chuck Todd says, politics ain't beanbag. Although I don't know what beanbag. What does that mean? Uh, you throw the, I can't even remember beanbag. I remember sitting on a beanbag. Sandra in New Jersey, yes. Good afternoon, Greg. Um, you know, that man just said that he name calls. Well, you know, I was reading about uh, Kaylee uh, McInerney this morning, and when I saw that she turned on him, I was really very disappointed. What did so she do? What did she do? Wait, Kaylee McEnany? I mean, she turned on Trump? Yeah. A little bit. She's on Fox, uh, her show, and she gave the wrong uh, numbers in terms of the polling, saying it was uh, not as, you know, saying that he wasn't doing as well as he is, and he got pissed off at that. He called her milk toast, and uh, milk toast means timid, soul, meek. So, you know, you're right. Everyone's picking on Trump. I'm sick over this. Then I think, I think, is this possible that they would pay Christie, who's a bully, to go up and, and, and really say terrible things about Trump, purposely put him up there just to do that. I wonder, because I mean, he's not going to win anyway. So uh, Would they that. pay Chris Christie? Uh, the answer is yes, of course. That's why he's doing this. Absolutely. Uh, that and a deep hatred and jealousy of Trump. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, Kaylee McEnany, who I... Uh, I've never met. I talked to her once. I, th- I think she's very, she was very good at that White House podium. Very, very good. Very effective. Um, but if you go from that job over to the Fox News, I think you have to remember how you got the job at Fox News. You know, I think you have to remember what you did at that White House podium and you defended Trump. And let's face it, everybody there at Fox is, you know, wishy-washy slash horrified slash deeply conflicted over Trump. And I think that's a way of her to, uh, you know, appease the bosses. And everybody's got a boss. Just about everybody's got a boss. Sandra, thanks a lot. Hey, here's another guy who has to apologize because he said he was uncomfortable with LGBTQ plus night. And this is a dude from the, uh, where is he? He's on uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. Do any Canadians actually play on that team? I've always wondered that. Uh, Toronto Blue Jay player Anthony Bass apologized after sharing content on social media that advocated for Christians to boycott Target, Bud Light, and other entities pushing pro-LGBT ideology. What, you can't make fun of Bud Light? You can't say don't go to Target, which is trying to uh, mess with kids? <laughs> Sounds pretty reasonable to me. But when you're reasonable... It's a good way to get canceled or fired or both. What position does this guy play? It doesn't matter, but he's a, I'll find out. Let's hear what he has to say. He's wearing a, he's, this is from the ball field. All right. This is what he's, this is what he's, uh, this is what he had to say. Go ahead. I recognize yesterday, uh, I made a post that was hurtful to the pride community, which includes friends of mine and close family members of mine. And I am truly sorry for that. Um, I just spoke with my teammates 
and shared with them my actions yesterday. I apologize with them. And as of right now, I'm using the Blue Jays' resources to better educate myself, to make better decisions moving forward. Uh, the ballpark is for everybody. Uh, we include all fans at the ballpark, and we, and we want to welcome everybody. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Oh, brother. Poor guy. He's a pitcher. He just wants to play baseball. And they're... <laughs> And his off-duty, he's a citizen of the United States, even though they're in Canada. I'm pretty sure he's American. And you're allowed to say stuff about controversial issues, aren't you? No. Corporate America says no. In corporate America, my gosh, you know, the Constitution says um, the state can come up with no law infringing your right to free speech. But quite frankly, your boss can come in and say, look, uh, <laughs> you better spout this stuff about LGBTQ+. Or you're not coming to work tomorrow. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that that guy can't say that. Can't say that to his butt, right? I think possibly employment laws get in the way or whatever. But you see which way the wind is blowing. Did that sound like a... That sounded like a gun was held to his head, actually. And in some ways, probably was. What else about this guy? He's 35 years old. Um, I don't know anything else. Ooh. Last year, he did not have a good year. 16 wins, 28 losses. And uh couldn't have played all those games, though. Maybe, is that his career? Can't be. He's been around since 2015. Anybody know anything more about baseball than I do? Probably all of you. Um, well, this is insane. And you know what? It's not just, oh, this is happening in uh, Major League Baseball. It doesn't affect my life. Obviously, you know everyone's taking their cues from this stuff. This guy's an example. They want to make you follow that lead. Stay in line. Obey, go with the flow, join the mob. <laughs> no. N O double O. No. Frank is in Oyster Bay. Hey, Greg, how are you today? Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'd like to just point out that our uh, our schools, the the pride flag has no place in our schools. Okay. Um, Prove me wrong. Is it not a sexualized object? Okay. The only difference between a straight man and a gay man, gay man, is their sexual preference on what they choose to do with their genitalia. So I do not want, and this is not an anti-gay bash in any which way. I love everyone equally. Okay. This, there is no need for a. Se- I wouldn't want furry handcuffs and whips and chains in my kids' classroom either. Okay. The, because it, by the way, furry handcuffs, whips and chains. You know, gay, straight. Lots of people are into that stuff. But keep it the hell out of the school. I hear you. This is not, this is not, you're not anti-gay, but this kind of paraphernalia, and I'm going to include the damned uh, gay pride flag too. Enough with that thing. I'm sick of it. And it's everywhere. And that's not, that's not anti-gay. It's not. Actually, oh, by the way, pride, pride, we're not supposed to have too much pride. We're not. As a matter of fact, Barack Obama prayed to the Lord to guard him against excessive pride. He did. And uh, I could see how he might struggle with that one because the entire world was telling us that he was God. Remember that? He went to the wailing wall and tucked a little prayer into the wall. And some jerk took it out and put it in the Huffington Post. <laughs> it was right there. You could read it. I put a prayer once in that wailing wall, prayed for my family and someone else I knew at the time was going through a tough uh, situation. So, uh, yeah, Frank, I'm with you. Um, anything else? Well, you know, I have kids in the primary school, so my, my, my guard is always up between the books they want to put in there with the agendas 
And, uh, and you know, just a flag. It starts with a flag. So uh, let's protect the children. That's all I want to say. Thank you very much. Let's protect the children. And you know what? Also the adults, too. You know, this whole thing, my, my position has been, uh, you know, when you're 18 and plus, 18 plus, game on. All right? Whatever the hell you want to do, 18 plus. Well, there are limits there, obviously, right? And you can't show up at the ballpark sponsored by the Dodgers or the Blue Jays or the Yankees or whatever and desecrate our faith. You can't do that. And if we object, we can't be silenced or censored. We can't. That can't happen. That will not stand. And the society where that does stand is in rapid decline, free fall. And we are, oh, by the way, free fall, the breakdown of civil society. It's going to take a miracle to fix all this, but you know what? Miracles, and and a lot of work, okay? Uh, A lot of work and a little bit of help from God. A lot of help from God. We're going to be okay. I'm optimistic, but, man, it's looking very treacherous, isn't it? I mean, oh, oh, by the way, did you see my show? I thought, uh, so Bruce Springsteen took a terrible tumble on the stage in Amsterdam. He was performing. I saw him perform once live. I am not a Bruce fan. I know two songs. Actually, I know one song, the Born in the USA song. That's it. Um, great video. It's 40 years old now, so I have no interest in Bruce. I saw him perform live once. I think his big secret is the guy kept in shape. He's a really, he's like you could tell, he just takes really good care of himself. And, hey, you should if you're a performer. That's uh, That makes a lot of sense. I think it has a lot to do with his staying power, his longevity. Uh, what, I, I hear he has a really nice kid who's a firefighter or a paramedic or something like that in New York City. And great job. But, like all things, too much of anything, too much money, too much fame, too much success can uh, mess you up and go to your head. So he used to be this great musician, you know, in the bar, and now he's hanging out with masters of the universe, including Barack Obama. And for some reason, Bruce Springsteen has a podcast or and invited Barack Obama on it, or Barack Obama had a podcast, invited him on it, or they both have a podcast or whatever. And people are known for saying stupid stuff on podcasts because you take your, you let your guard down. You think no, it doesn't seem like anybody's listening. And for a lot of podcasts, nobody is listening. So you say all kinds of kooky things. But this, I think, came straight from Obama's heart. So they're talking about, uh, well, Bruce and the E Street Band. And you remember Clarence Clemens, the saxophone player who happened to be black. Uh, everybody loved Clarence. Remember that? All my life, you were a friend of mine with Jackson Brown in the eighties. Listen to this silly conversation, and then it takes a deeply offensive, dark turn. Cut 38. In an ideal world, what Bruce and Clarence portrayed on stage was essentially a reconciliation, right? That's right. But most of your audiences were primarily white. And they can love Clarence when he's on stage, but if they ran into him in a bar, suddenly the N-word comes up. Yeah. The N-word comes up. Are you kidding me? Primarily white. The fan base is primarily white. So that's a problem right there, according to Barack Obama. You can't have too many white people in one place. That's a that's a problem now, right? No, 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 that's not good. Primarily white. You already said that? It was like, there's a negative. Primarily white. And when they meet Clarence Clemens, the N-word comes out. Now, forget that it's Clarence Clemens for a moment. Everybody loves Clarence Clemens. White people who are fans of Bruce Springsteen see a black man in the bar, and the N-word comes out. He's not insane. He's evil. He is a bad, bad guy. Obama. How the hell? 
We fell for that crap. We all fell for it. There is no, there is no red America. There is no blue America. There is the United States of America. Remember that in 2004? Wow, what a hot shot. Wow, we're all one. I actually went out and bought that dopey bookie, uh, wrote. Which one was it? Audacity of hope, audacity of, uh, tr- uh what was the other one? Uh, dreams I had about my dad. Silly books. What a self-absorbed weirdo. And that audacity of, uh, success book. Audacity of hope. It was just, it was just platitudes. You know what I mean? We can do more together than we can apart. Stuff like that. Boy, it got my Irish up. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. That was absolutely scary what that guy sounded like, the Toronto Blue Jays player. I mean, it's a reasonable thing to say uh, you don't like Dylan Mulvaney, right, and the Bud Light stuff. It's a reasonable thing to say that you're not down with Target uh, selling those clothes to kids or having them so prominently displayed in the store. Um, and to have a, to, to apologize. And I wonder, did he really apologize? Did he have to apologize to the ball club? What would the team say to him? Give me a break. What really happened in that locker room? I want to hear that again. And, uh, let's get his name one more time. It's, uh, the t- pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. And his name is what? Anthony, who? Bass? Anthony Bass. Anthony Bass. All right. Hit it. I recognized yesterday uh, I made a post that was hurtful to the Pride community, which includes friends of mine and close family members of mine, and I am truly sorry for that. Um, I just spoke with my teammates and shared with them my actions yesterday. I apologize with them. And as of right now, I'm using the Blue Jays' resources to better educate myself, to make better decisions moving forward. Uh, the ballpark is for everybody. Uh, we include all fans at the ballpark, and we, and we want to welcome everybody. That's all I have to say. Thank you. It made the uh, pride community, the LGBTQ, it, it offended the LGBTQ community, and he's really upset about that. He's apologizing for that because somebody didn't like what he posted. So we're only supposed to post things that people, everybody's going to agree with all the time. That's a totalitarian state. That is not America. Granted, he's in Canada, but same difference. This is dangerous. (laughs) Wow. I just, you know, if you want to be comfortable, stay home in bed. You know, you're going to go out into the world and people are going to say things that, that you disagree with, that I disagree with, whatever. It doesn't matter. That's life. A post hurt an entire community. Can I just hear that very first part of that again? Dad? The entire... I yesterday, uh, I made a post that was hurtful to the Pride community. Stop. Hurtful to the Pride community. All right. And again, he was making fun of Dylan Mulvaney. Christine, you happen to be in the LGBTQ community, or, well, I don't want to say you're in the community, whatever. You're a T when it comes to LGBT. Christine, were you hurt? Were you hurt yesterday by this Toronto Blue Jays post on Dylan Mulvaney? No, I'm I'm hurt to the fact that he's forced to apologize. Uh, you know what, I Greg, I am so sick of Pride Month, and it didn't start yet. 
And I have an idea as an ambassador for the new Twitter group called Just the T for Truth. Here's what I want everyone to do, Greg. Starting tomorrow or during the month, take a picture with the American flag or a little one in your hand or one behind you and caption it, Happy Pride Month, with a hashtag of this is my pride flag. Interesting. Happy Pride Month. This is my pride flag. And it's the American flag, right? Yeah. Let me see if we can make that a little. I like Happy Pride Month. My pride flag. How about just hashtag my pride flag? Yeah, you can put that. My pride flag. Happy Pride Month. P.S. Hashtag my pride flag. You know what, Christine? This is a great idea. Christine, for those of you who don't know, happens to be transgender, whatever. It doesn't matter uh, to me. Uh, but it does give her a, a unique insight into all this. She can't stand what's being done to children. She's generally conservative. And uh, you're A-OK. You're the best. You're amazing. And I tell you what, this is a great idea. Happy Pride Month. This is my pride flag, the American flag. Yeah, uh, that's uh, you will see my picture posted first thing tomorrow morning when I get up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> all right, knock it out. I will follow your lead. And then uh, tell people how you, I mean, it's amazing, though. You know, you you are very unique, obviously. Many, many reasons here. Many things going on. Were you ever liberal? Maybe as a kid before I knew better, before my grandfather, God rest his soul, set me straight and told me, start listening to Rush Limbaugh. This is when Rush first started over 30 years ago. So anybody who says there's an LGBTQ community, that really is... In a way, it's offensive because it's like, well, if you're a gay person, you must think a certain way politically or you must think a certain way about these issues. And I'm getting that. I mean, that's obviously not true. You know, the problem with Pride Month, too, is that why we need a whole damn month. LGB is about your sexual orientation. Why do we need to parade that around for a month? And me for trans is gender dysphoria, which is a brutal mess. Um, medical mental health condition. It's not to be celebrated. I went through hell and back living with this. Christine, you're amazing. Keep it up. How do we find you on social media? Uh, Christine, R-E-B-S-T-1 on Twitter. And Christine Rebstock. Rebstock, Rebstock. Christine, R-E-B, Stock. Thank you. Good idea. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I just saw Speaker Kevin McCarthy walk through the Capitol Rotunda with 1,000 people around him, an entourage of 1,000 people. Never seen, I've never seen a king like that. I've never seen a president like that. It was amazing. So many people. It's got to go to his head, huh? Uh, he seems pretty cool, calm, and collected. I will say that. Uh, very confident. Uh, but I had Ken Buck on and uh, some other very thoughtful people. They're not liking this thing. Quite frankly, it's, oh boy, it's complicated. It's this, it's that. I'm really upset about the IRS agents. And this is very cynical, isn't it, though, that they want some Republicans actually want the IRS agents to be at about 85000 so that they can campaign on it next year, so they can raise money off it. Send us back to Washington so we can fight the the uh, the IRS agents and reduce the, do it now. Do it now. You see what they do? They want this issue so they can run on it <coughs> because they enjoy the fun, excuse me, and, and the fun, fame, and money of politics. They like it's a game. It's a game. 
Gentlemen, this is our country you're screwing with. Gentlemen, this is our country you're messing with. It's a great line out of a movie that no one's ever seen. It's called Flight of the Intruder, 1991. Two frustrated A6 intruder pilots flying off an aircraft carrier during World uh, during Vietnam War uh, decide, you know what? We're hitting these little pissant little targets that mean nothing strategically. Uh, we're doing it every night. Uh, we're incurring great risk. Let's let's bomb North Vietnam. Let's go to let's go downtown. Let's go to Hanoi. And they fly all the way up to Hanoi, unauthorized, and they bomb the hell out of Hanoi. Uh, now they, they weren't bombing innocent children. They bombed the missile factory. They took out all the missiles and they landed back on the aircraft carrier and they knew what they, they got caught right away. And, uh, they sent them to see the admiral and the admiral's understandably really, really mad. And at one point he just says, gentlemen, this is our country you're messing with. And this is our country. Doesn't it mean anything? Doesn't it stand for something? Rapidly, it's changing. And they want it to change irrevocably. They want it to be unrecognizable. We can't let that happen. What do we do? I mentioned it earlier. I'm trying, trying to find ways. Keep thinking. If nothing, I know writing letters sounds very prosaic or whatever, but there are things, there's something you can do to help to fix this, to write this. Um, whether it's starting a rap song or, even if it's writing a letter to General C.Q. Brown and say, now that you got the big job, I hope you're going to leave your attitude at home. Because he's got one hell of an attitude. What were we up to? Which one? Cut 30. Uh, play the next one. I'm thinking about the airmen that have lived through similar experiences and feelings as mine or who were either consciously or unconsciously unfairly treated. Well, unconsciously, unconsciously, unconscious bias. Unconscious bias. What the hell are you going to do about unconscious bias? How do you fix that? First of all, it's junk science. It's not even, we don't even know if it's a thing. And even if it is a thing, there's really nothing you can do about it. And I don't think it's a thing. But he's talking about junk science. He has no business doing that. And you know who else did it? General Milley. General Milley. The same summer. This is the summer of 2020. There was a heated campaign for the presidency going on. And two four-star generals start mouthing off about politics. Cut 34, General Mutinous Mark Milley. I am outraged by the senseless and brutal killing of George Floyd. What we are seeing is the long shadow of our original sin in Jamestown 401 years ago. We are still struggling with racism. And we have much work. <laughs> we have much work to do. It goes on and on and on like that. And he says how they got to root out unconscious bias in the military. What the hell are you talking about? Just worry about the bombs, bullets, and beans. Beans, bombs, and bullets. Those are the things that win wars, actually. Um, Not this stuff. And have you noticed? We've been losing. We've been losing a lot. Give me the next CQ Brown thing, and then I think we're done with him. Hopefully. Go ahead. I'm thinking about how I can make improvements personally, professionally, and institutionally. So that all airmen, both today and tomorrow, appreciate the value of diversity and can serve in an environment where they can reach their full potential. He speaks for 25 minutes about this stuff. And not a word about airplanes or bombs or bullets or beans. That's what he's paid to do. And he wants to sit around talking about race all day long. I think we got one more. This is a dude. Nope, that's it. 
I'm sorry, there are other things to do. Those beautiful F-16s on the tarmac won't fly themselves. I don't know. Maybe he has his eye on a big defense contracting job with uh, Raytheon or Northrop Grumman. And guess what? Those companies know where their bread is buttered. They play the woke game. They play it big time. Democrats in charge? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tony, you got something to say about General Brown? Thank you. Hi, Greg. Thank you for taking my call. So I just did a comparison of him and the other contender who was up for the job of Joint Chiefs of Staff. And it was the General David Bergen. And what really caught General David Berger. Berger is his name. Berger. Berger, yes. Thank you. Bad general, by the way. Very bad general. The worst. Do you know that guy is insane, criminally insane. He has given away all of the armor of the United States Marine Corps, all of the tanks. The Marine Corps have no more tanks. The Marines don't have tanks. And and he telegraphed to the entire world the battle plan for taking on the Chinese, exactly what they're going to do, what equipment they're going to use, and what islands they're going to do it on. It's the most insane thing I've ever seen. And I know some of the uh, yes-men around this guy. I mean, this is the most half-baked, pull- oh, it's disgusting. I can't believe it. This is totally insane. Utterly, that was the general of the damn military. That was the general, the guy in charge. Talking about, he's thinking about, he didn't, the, the mentor he had in 1989 was white, not black. And that's somehow a problem, and he wants you to think about it too? Anyway, sorry, what? So anyway, what I was going to tell you was that, that he was the commandant of the first Marine. He's the commandant of the Marine Corps. Don't be too impressed with that. What's the point? No, no, no. My point is that in comparison to these two, I've been reading a book about General Grant, Ulysses Grant. Oh, yeah, you got to put it all together for me, okay? We, 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 now we're going to another cent, uh, two centuries. What, what does it all mean? What's your bottom line here? Well, Grant was a man who was concerned about everybody, and he wasn't political. And because of what he did when he captured Fort Donaldson, he treated that when the slaves were acquired at the fort, they he wanted he was told he had to give them all back to the to the South, and he said no, they're going to they are our army. We're going to treat them as um, you know our war. War uh, booty prisoners. All right, all right, and, and, and so Gen- we like General Grant, right? General Grant was good, right? He made them work, and then Tony. I'm sorry, to I got to figure out what it is. General Grant was a good general. He was a great general. He became president of the United States. Also became destitute, crazily enough. So what's the point about? What's the bottom line here? Bring it back to General Brown. What's up? So Grant made oh, the Afro Americans. The that was the beginning of them becoming part of our U.S. military. All right, so and that's good. And that's good. Fire, not got, a divider. Okay. All right, and this guy's this guy's dividing all over again, right? All over again. Yeah, I know. Whew. What did you read? The Brett Baer book on Grant. I'm reading the book by Ron Chernow. Oh, good. That's I've, much better. Much superior. Much, much, I've much superior. So much, and I thank you for your service. And yes, military is very political because Grant was always up and down and in trouble. But Lincoln apparently liked him, and he he did the job. And he was very fair to people, even hey, when people didn't. He have a drinking problem. He he had 
alcoholism and he it was inherent in his family it was hereditary and he he always struggled with it wasn't he arrested he he was arrested and he had lots of times when he wasn't fighting that he would get very depressed and he was away from his wife and they were always after him in the military and didn't he lose all of his money even though they gave him a lot of money for his memoirs and somehow he blew it all got in trouble what happened with that he, he did get money for his memoirs, and he completed them just before he passed away, believe it or not. And that was really all was left for his wife. He had no sense of business and money. He was always taken by some con artist, and oh. that was his weakness. I love but, it. You read the books, and you just give me the gist of it, all right? I love this uh, procedure. I love it. I love it. Let's see if there's anything else we want to know about uh, Ulysses. All right, that does it. Uh, Tony, thank you. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Don't say goodbye. Jeez. No goodbye. <laughs> that Larry David. <laughs> that, that's right out of Curb Your Enthusiasm. No goodbye. Um, ooh, let's see here. We got a rumble from, we got a rumble from President Trump. It looks like he's pretty ticked at DeSantis for all that stuff. How was DeSantis in Iowa last night? Did you see? Cut 14, please. Cut 14. The media will say, If there is a book that contains hardcore pornography in a fifth grade classroom, if a parent wants that removed, that that's, quote, banning a book. And let me tell you, this is a hoax to talk about book bans. That's what they're doing. They're creating a hoax. Because you have a, you have to make decisions about curating which books are in a library or which books are in a classroom. And of course, using your tax dollars, those decisions should be age appropriate for the students involved. And so what I did, because they're talking about all this, uh, we did a press conference and we called it Exposing the Book Ban Hoax. And before I had the parents come up, before I even said anything, we played on a video screen the images and some of the text of what the parents objected to. The local news that were covering it had to cut their feed because they said it was too graphic. Well, if it's too graphic for the 6 o'clock news, how is it okay for a 10-year-old school child? It's good. But, I mean, there are a lot. we, We know that. It's good. It's good. Is it great? Did he start this? There are plenty of uh, critics of this stuff out there. Is he the guy who's going to lead us all the way? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he has the stature. I don't know if he has the uh, backbone. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's independent enough of the billionaires. I know he said he was last night. He said a lot of that stuff. Let me see if there's anything else. Uh, mm, let's try one more, and then we're going to go to Trump. Cut seventeen. Cut seventeen. We also pledge to usher in a reckoning for the federal government's disastrous COVID policies. From lockdowns to vax mandates to fiscal and monetary measures, the policies eroded freedom and they imposed great harms on American society. We desperately need accountability so this never happens to our country again. All right, let's face it. Trump has been saying this stuff for years. I don't know. And uh, Trump managed to get himself elected president of the United States. And 74 million votes, more votes than any sitting president in the history of this country. Somehow Joe Biden uh, got uh, 81 million votes. Somehow. Hmm, somehow. Well, I don't know if it's 
new and different enough. And I'm not saying I need like a new brand or a new soda or something to excite me or just something. Give me something a little bit different. I just know that Trump has lived up to this stuff. It's not all talking. That's the big difference between Trump and every other president. We all have seen the promises. We saw him fight to keep them. We saw him fight every single. They all say it. I will fight for you. I will not rest. But we saw him. We saw him do it. Ron's just telling us all this stuff about Florida. I can't verify much of it. I I do remember that the beaches were closed down there. All right. I mean, uh, they kind of lo- they locked down too. I the mocks masks were optional at one point, but uh, was it all that? Someone's calling from Florida. I'll check in with you when I come back. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. See that thing in the paper over the weekend? Uh, Kathy Hochul's husband, the governor's husband, is still finding a way to make money due to her being the governor and that guy being a uh, uh, a big-time lawyer for some uh, business upstate they do a lot of gaming. They do a lot of this, a lot of that, and uh, a lot of profiting, it looks like, from uh, her being the governor and married to that dude. Uh, she is all over the place on television, uh, doing nothing, appearing hapless and indecisive. And here's the next uh, ooh, possibility, I guess. Uh, what are we going to do about all these migrants, Kathy? Uh, I think she really misses the beauty parlor. Although, governor is not that hard a job, so she probably has time to get to the beauty parlor. Cut 12, please. Cut 12. On you know, where the people are coming in, keeping them and getting them settled in New York City. New York City's shelter system is overflowing, but literally Friday we announced that we have repurposed a, a formerly shuttered prison in New York City, which will be opening up to house over 500 people. We're also looking at space at JFK, looking at a hangar there, waiting for federal approvals. Federal approvals. Federal approvals. Got to wait on the federal approvals. Uh, why? It's a Port Authority. New York Port Authority. It's a New York Port Authority. Ask American Airlines. I actually like the idea of the, uh, of the hangar. It's a lot closer to the airplanes to send them back to wherever the hell they came from. I'm sorry, you came here legally. Don't give me that asylum scam. Do not. The Democrats do not want anybody debating Joe Biden from the Democrat Party in 2024. And as much as I can't stand Democrats and I can't stand Joe Biden, um, I got to say this. This is pretty standard. All right. Do you remember Donald Trump debating anybody who ran for president against him in 2020 uh, on the Republican side? There was a there was some Republican. I think it was Bill Weld. You know, that guy used to be governor of Massachusetts, real patrician dude. Uh, saw himself uh, very eccentric. He's old money, you know. Those people who never had to work for a day in their life but did anyway are very unique. They're just unique, and they march to their own drummer because they can. You know, they don't really have to answer to some boss. So uh, Bill Weld wanted to be governor of Massachusetts, which he did become, and then he moves to New York and tells everybody, I want to be governor of New York now. Yeah, I know. I grew up in Massachusetts. I'm going to come to New York, and I'm going to, I'm going to be governor here. Uh, New Yorkers were like, uh, <laughs> no chance. Uh, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. But James Vanderbeek, the guy from Dawson's Creek, I don't know why this is going viral, but it is. He's the actor on Dawson's Creek. Did you watch that show? I was too busy in the Marine Corps back in the nineties when this was big, but I was aware of him. I would see People magazine from time to time at the doctor's office and he'd be in it. 
Cut 18. He's a Democrat, I guess, and uh, he doesn't like the situation. Cut 18. It's early in the morning on Memorial Day. I'm walking my dogs, pulling a weight sled with my kid in it, and I cannot get over the fact that the Democratic National Committee is saying there will not be a debate to decide the nominee for president. Are you kidding me? There's no debate. There's no debate over an 80-year-old man who, if he lives, will be the old sitting president in the history of the country. And if he doesn't live, has a vice president whose approval rating is worse than his. This guy is obviously declining mental faculties. You're putting him up in front of a podium with flashcards telling him who to call on and what the questions are going to be. And you're telling us there's no debate? What about the will of the people? Yeah! <laughs> I like this guy, James Vanderbeek. You know what? You changed my mind. There ought to be a debate, damn it. Marianne Williamson is running for president. RFK is running for president. There ought to be a debate. Thank you, James. Good stuff. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, The media are the enemy of the people. Underline it. Put an exclamation point at the end. They are always stirring the pot. They want people at each other's throats over issues of uh, gender, sexuality, race. Wow, the stuff that they choose to report, how they report it, what they don't report, tells me that they want a race war. They want a race war. And it looks like, in certain instances, they're getting one, which would be absolutely horrible. But there is now so much tension where there was no tension before. Or maybe there was some, but I mean, have you been looking at the videos from schools, the fights that take place in schools between students of different races and race is the, seems to be the, the motivating factor and the viciousness of the fighting, the hair pulling, the kicking, the, oh gosh. And however, I note this, whenever the perpetrator is white and the victim is black, that makes the news. However, if it's the other way around, not so much. Not so much. It might be there. You might look at it. Ten million people may have watched the video online. But it's not picked up for some reason by NBC News. Now, why is that? Oh, by the way, did you hear about that poor little guy? He's 11 years old. He did the right thing, and he called his uh, the police. So... He's in Mississippi. It looks like rural Mississippi. I used to live in Mississippi, in rural Mississippi. I actually had a great time in that state. Lived there for two years. Uh, great people. And I just, it was a really interesting moment in my life. I enjoyed it very much. I was 25 years old. And uh, anyway, this kid is uh, at home one night with his family. And the mom's ex-boyfriend, father of one of the children, tries to bang down the door. And then he breaks in through the window. And the mother says to the 11-year-old boy, call the police and then call your grandmother and stay in your room. And he does that. He calls the police. And um, and then the police get there, and sometimes they do this. Okay, everybody out with your hands up. And this little guy comes around the corner and gets shot by a cop. Fortunately, he lives. He's a sweet little guy. I've seen him interviewed, and uh, he got shot in the chest. It's crazy. And he did nothing wrong. Mother was being attacked, potentially. Called the police. So, 
I noticed there was something a little off in the report. I'm like, there's something they're, there's something they're holding back on. There's something they're dancing around. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. All right. So where's the cop involved? You know, they kept on saying the police, the police. And, and then I heard the lawyer say something about, you know, racism. You know, it's racism once again, but he said it in a different kind of way. And I'm like, what's going on here? So I did a little digging. It took me about four seconds and I found out that the police officer, who made a tragic, horrible mistake, and I'm sure he feels it just, I mean, how, for, thank God the kid didn't die, but this is probably one of the worst things you can do as a cop, right? Uh, the cop happened to be black. Uh, and they weren't showing that, curiously enough, in the initial stages when that was known. I find that, that kind of selective omission interesting. Look, I think Americans, we don't care about race, especially Americans who grew up um, middle class, lower middle class, right? Maybe went to college, some college or no college or whatever, right? I mean, we're accustomed to people work with people they don't look like all the time, especially in the blue collar world. Absolutely. Absolutely. In the military, first thing, right? You just, everybody from all over the place, certain communities, everybody didn't, it's not a thing. We played, we play sports together. We serve together. We drive trucks together. We do that stuff. But elite media, they don't have that kind of exposure to people who quote unquote don't look like them. And they're a little bit freaked out by race. And some of them are feeling incredibly vulnerable because they're white in prestige professions. So they apologize for it, and they overreact and overcompensate. And ultimately, they're failing the audience. They're failing black people. They're failing white people. They're failing themselves. They're failing their country. Uh, Joe, yeah. Uh, good afternoon, Greg. As far as this debt ceiling, oh. push it. Don't don't pass it right away, Republicans. Turn it down. We still got time. And as far as the general, uh, with they don't look like me, blah, 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 I'd love to see an, a, a research team of authors go to Africa, research the great men of Africa, and when they say king, queen, this, slave owner, slave trader, only 13% of, 13% of children know American history. The other 87 all they know about George Washington in the inner city public schools. All right, what was that king over. queen stuff about Africa? What are you getting at? I don't understand. In other words, they they want to say the sins of America, but go to Africa and you'll see that the trade, the slave trade, was going on for years. The whole world—they're just as guilty as we are. Well, you're right to a point. There was slavery all over the world, and also. Uh, uh, all over the world. and still, oh, by the way, it's still going on in, in certain places. And I think what you're getting at is that there were, uh, quite frankly, businesses that were set up, enterprises that were set up, especially in Western Africa. And this was run by, yeah, people of color, uh, selling certain other, it's just, look, it is disgraceful. It's inhumane. It happened. I'm sorry it happened. I wish it didn't. Um, but I, don't understand being this hung up about it 200 years later. There's nothing we can do about it. 
There is nothing. You think repatriations, reparations are going to work? No, they're not. It's just going to be a divisive. It's, it's going to break the, it's going to break us. It's going to break us. We are not a cohesive unit anymore, a country. Joe Biden keeps talking about the things we can do together, together. I mean, we are holding on by a thread right now. Joe, thank you very much. Joe, thanks a lot. Um, really, do you see it? What could we ever do together? It's going to take one hell of a miracle. Hey, the Chinese are going back to the moon. Well, to the moon. Back to the moon. They've never been to the moon, but by 2030, they say they're going to be there. Did you see they paraded the astronauts around yesterday? The Chinese astronauts. Um, Elon Musk says that that astronaut program is no joke. It's a real thing. It could happen. 2030. Now, keep in mind, that's 61 years after we got to the moon. All right? So America is doing something right 61 years later. We want to go back to the moon. We may go back next year, kind of. We're not going to walk on it. We're just going to go around it once, which seems a little bit on the lame side. You know, all these years later, we can't come. But, all right, it's a test run. I wish we were. I wish we had done this already. I can't believe we haven't been back. Can you imagine? It looks, it's like, <laughs> it just, it should have happened by now. But I found this little clip of astronauts having a grand old time on the moon the last time we were there in 1972. Cut 39. I was strolling on the moon one day in a merry, merry month of December, May, May, when much to my surprise, a pair of bunny eyes. Oh, this is a neat way to travel. Isn't that great? Oh. <laughs> I would love to be up there. I would love. Hey, have you been following what's going on in this Davenport, Iowa, the building collapse? Um seems to me that the mayor there, Mike Mastin, called off the search way too early. <laughs> Excuse me. They had a big building collapse, partial building collapse. And it seemed like just a few hours later, they're like, well, uh, no one's alive in there, so uh, we're just going to tear it down. And people in the neighborhood were like, are you kidding me? We haven't seen my aunt. We haven't seen my uncle. People are missing. Maybe they're in there. What are you doing? What are you talking about? Nope, nope. We're just going to knock the building down. Uh, and I looked up this guy, Mike Mastin, Democrat, mayor of Davenport, and it looks to me like he's a woke idiot. And when you do this woke stuff, it takes away from the things you're supposed to be focused on. When you're a mayor, <laughs> there's nothing more important than – give me one second, please. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Have you heard the bullets flying all over New York? It's going like crazy. People are getting shot. Um, it's not safe out there. No exaggeration. Ewick is wrong when he says this is the safest big city in America. Uh, he's lying. He is uh, an ignorant, narcissistic, uh, incompetent fool. Uh, and he's the mayor. Hmm? 200,000 New Yorkers made it happen. Just 200,000 made this guy the mayor. In the city of 8 million. Does that sound Democrat? That's not a Democratic system. And oh, by the way, when was election day? The Democrat primary? The last day of school. They don't want you to vote. It's called rigged. All right. Anyway, hey, James Flippin, our news guy, joins us. Uh, James, what's up with all the shooting? You got some information for us. Yeah, Greg, I mean, look, you put these news together, uh, these casts together every hour, and it just kind of becomes numbing after a while. It's like shooting, 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 shooting in Brooklyn, shooting in Queens, shooting in New Jersey. 
And this morning there was two. One uh, where a gentleman, a 65-year-old man, was being uh, attempted to be robbed in Queens. He pulled out a gun, shot the would-be robber who had a long rap sheet. Robber died. Uh, the 65-year-old man is still working with the cops, all that kind of thing. Uh, then there was two teenagers this morning in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, who were shot by passing bullets. Cops don't think they were the intended target. They're expected to survive, taken to the hospital. But it's like, you know, the, the amount of stories we do in the news about just random violence, or violence that maybe it isn't so random. Like, you've got this uh, councilwoman in New Jersey who was shot dead in February. They just made an arrest yesterday of a gentleman down in Virginia. Um, don't really know what the true story is there. There was a uh, shooting. A Long Island guy shot somebody over a parking spot in Queens. It's like, what is going on? You know, to what extent do we just take these guns out and just fire off shots on a public street? It's stunning. Well, you know, for all the uh, demonizing of the NRA, the National Rifle Association, you know what they're really all about? Safety, gun safety. And if you gangbangers would sign up for the NRA and learn how to aim, all right, so you kill what you're be a hit what you're shooting at. I don't want you to shoot anybody, but if you're going to shoot each other, shoot each other, not innocent standers by, bystanders. Fair enough? Like that beautiful one-year-old child that was killed in Brooklyn at that barbecue? One-year-old. Yeah. You know, his name, I saw that, like, you know, John Smith, one, comma, one, the numeral one. It was like, you don't see that. You see 29, you see 17, you see 42, one. Mm-hmm. It was just so I'll never forget it. Uh, all right. Um, and actually, another story that I thought I would just bring up with you quickly. I don't know if you saw this. A group of Marines were attacked and severely beaten out in California because basically what happened was the one guy asked this other group, could they stop firing off their fireworks, which seems like a reasonable request. You know, they're loud. They're dangerous. You know, stop firing off your fireworks. And then proceeded that these Marines got beat up, severely beaten. Well, arrests have been made, but. I don't know about this story, to be honest. Really? I looked at the video footage. Okay. Having been in the Marine Corps, uh, we love fireworks going off. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, that part of the story, that's not on the videotape. It's not on the videotape. The request. That, yeah, that's not on the videotape. What is on the videotape are a bunch of people. I can't tell who's a Marine, who's not a Marine. I can't. They're not wearing uniforms, mm-hmm. right? They don't. Uh, I see one group of people, two or three guys walking away. Uh, somebody says something, so the guy goes running back in to a girl and does something to her, and then a mob closes in on that guy, and it looks like they start beating him up. I don't want to say first blood or anything like that. I don't want, I, but he started it. So, I, he, it looked to me like he started it. I mean, sticks and stones. The girl said something nasty. He ran over there to physically do something to her. The whole mob jumps on him, and then somebody else, there's kicking and screaming and all this stuff. I don't know what's going on. I can't tell who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. I assume the two guys getting beat up on the bottom are the bad guys. They must, well, the bad guys for this group, but they're really the good guys because they're the Marines. But then again, he hit a girl, so I don't know what the hell happens. And just because, you know, they tell us, oh, this is a group of Marines assaulted because they're Marines. No. Did You know what I'm talking about now, right? Uh, yeah, of course. So, I mean, like, and I see Fox News running with it. Oh, Marines under attack. And like, number one, Marines are always getting into fights. Okay. It just happens all the time, especially in that area. I've been in a fight in uh, San Clemente too. You're saying they're a little pugilistic every now and then. You could say that. I mean, I mean, look, I'm, I'm somewhat in jest here, but it was known to be, you know, Marines get in trouble sometimes, especially junior enlisted Marines. It happens. 
I can't tell who the Marines are. They're not in uniform. And I can tell you this. This I will say. It's not because they're Marines. It doesn't look to me like that fight was over being a Marine. There's something else going on. I do have one last little news. And by the way, one other thing on that. I mean, it looked to me like a rumble. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, I mean, rumble sounds innocent. Boys will be boys type stuff. Or, well, I mean, you know, it's a fine line between boys will be boys and gangbangers, I guess. I don't know, but I, I don't see it as a federal case myself. All right, what's the next thing? Uh, I I know you're going to be busy doing your TV show, but free yoga classes tonight at Bryant Park. Oh, stop. Oh, brother. (laughs) Free yoga classes sponsored by the city. I think so. Who the hell needs free yoga class? It's good for your mindset. Watch a YouTube video and you'll be fine. Okay. I don't. Pardon me. I don't, I don't see it. What else? I do like that movie night. Do they still do movie night in the park? I think so. Yeah. I believe they do. I'm not sure what night, but. Uh, okay. Well, James Flippin, thanks for bringing us thanks, up to thanks, speed. Frank. Good stuff. Uh, all right. Well, lots of shooting going on. It wasn't like this under you know who, Mike Bloomberg and Ray Kelly. Uh, where is she? Yes, there she is. Oh, uh, Barbara, hello. I think we were just talking about what you want to talk about. Well, that could be. I was driving my car, so I wasn't hearing everything. But I did hear you talking about this brutal beating that took place. No matter whose fault it is, I thought the point that you had made previously, um, I think maybe yesterday was important. When in the world did you ever see a fight evolve into this brutal, bestial kicking and, and attempt to actually kill the other person? And then today I saw the news that two men aged 73 and 80 who were praying outside an abortion clinic in Baltimore were savagely beaten. I don't know if you saw that, but the picture of the man's face, it's amazing he survived. One of the men was hospitalized. Can you imagine the, the, the corruption and the decay of our civilization that we're attacking each other like this, men attacking women, people attacking very elderly senior citizens, not harming anyone, and even young people fighting and looking like they want to kill each other. Yeah, it does seem like we are in total free fall. Now, part of this, I wonder, is, you know, let's face it, we all have media, we all have cell phones in our pockets, we all have access to, well, the Internet, and we post this stuff, I mean, Human beings have been around for a long time, and human beings have been known to get into fights, right? I mean, we've always been doing this, but now we can see it. So my sense is strongly that this is more than before, much more. But do you wonder about that sometimes? Is it just that we can see it all? Because I'm looking out the window right now, and it looks beautiful. The weather's nice. People are walking down the street. Nobody's bothering each other. Uh, you know, <clears throat> everybody's. It's, uh, it happens to be a diverse crew. You know, what could be what could be nicer? But, yeah, right now in Illinois, 1,500 miles away, someone's getting kicked and beaten and had their hair pulled. And, you know, I, I talk about it. Am I letting it affect me too much? I mean, you know what I'm talking about here. I know what you're talking about, but in my life, and I'm much older than you, I have never seen violence like this of citizen upon citizen. I grew up in a country where you could walk the streets and you could smile at your fellow citizen and whether they were of a different faith, of a different ethnicity, different color, it didn't matter. You were safe because we were a civilized society. All right, well wait, wait, Barbara, I know I mean you're not that much older, but look, let's face it, uh what was that what was that uh 
Broadway show became a movie. Maria, West Side Story, The Jets and the Sharks. That was in the yeah. 1950s. That was quaint. And they were fighting and stealing and stabbing each other. I mean, this stuff has been around. I do think my earlier point about, you know, we we can document it. You never saw it because it never made the news. I mean, y- you only had like, in a big city, you had like how many cameramen? How many cameramen worked in one city? Th- think about it. You had Channel 2, 4, 5, 7, and 11. And let's say each, you know, 10, 10 per station. Uh, you know, 50 cameras, maybe 60 in the entire city. And now we have millions of people walking around with cameras, millions with instant access to the Internet. So you can see it. I think there's something about that to be considered. But, Barbara, you uh no, I know it is worse. And I'm looking at a picture of this guy, the pro-life dude. His name is Mark Crosby, 80, violently attacked outside a Baltimore Planned Parenthood clinic. And, yeah, they bashed his face in, bleeding and all that stuff. Poor guy. Hey, he's a gutsy guy, though, right? Going out there, defending the unborn. How about that? You know? I like it. I admire that. I admire people who go out and try to make things happen. I'll see you tonight, 10 o'clock on Newsmax. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.